0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like to start this homily by wishing all of our fathers a very happy Father's Day. May God give you a special blessing. We will be giving you a special blessing, all of us, after, at the end of this homily. I think the readings for today are very appropriate for Father's Day. Because they speak to us of another father. The father of all of us. God our Father who has us in his hands, who cares for us and has given of himself for us, up to the point of giving his only son, as the second reading said, to die for all of us so that all of us could live, no longer for ourselves, but for him who died for us. God the Father who loves us, who cares for us, and who has us in his hands. In the first reading from Job, it says, God spoke to Job out of the storm. And the storm representing the tribulations, the difficulties, the hardships of life. And in the gospel, we read Jesus calming another storm. And in both of these readings, we find that God is asking us to trust in him, to have confidence in him, to know that in the midst of it all, we are in his hands. He is taking care of us, and he wants us to know that we are not alone, ever. God says here to Job, who else was around when I made all of this? In other words, it's, it's mine. It's in my hands. Trust in me. I set the limits of the sea. I hold it back and say, be still to its waves. And then Jesus says to the storm, quiet, be still, and all is calm. This reality of God as a father, God who, he's not some distant being, some tyrant, someone who wishes to punish us when we do evil, no. He's a father who, yes, will discipline us, chastise us, bring us back to himself, shake us up when we need it because he sees we're going the wrong way and it's to our own detriment. But he does it because he loves his children and wants us to return home to the father. Just like the story of the prodigal son. He'll wait for us, but he wants us there. He looks for us and he runs out to greet us. He doesn't even let us finish our confession before he embraces us and clothes us and brings us back into the house. This is God the father. Perhaps for many, or for some... It's not easy to picture God as a father. I find it easy myself because I had a great dad. May he rest in peace. He he had his mistakes, his faults. Sometimes he'd get a little angry or upset about something. But overall, he, aside from giving us the gift of life, was caring, protecting, took care of my mom and us, made sure that we were disciplined and, and strove to give us all that we needed. Above all, the faith. He was a, the, the household leader of our faith. And thus, he was an example of a man who lived for God and lived for others. And thus, we could learn from him because we saw in him an image of God the Father. But for many, that's not the case. Many who have had dads who have been weak, dads who have failed, dads who have even have been sadly abusive, that have not imaged God the Father for them, but rather have caused pain and suffering because of whatever might be their weakness, their vice, alcoholism, pornography, whatever it might be that has trapped their mind in sinfulness, and they haven't been able to be the the dad that they should be as a husband, as a father. And we pray for our dads. We pray that God will forgive them their sins. We realize they're not angels. They're not saints. They're men. But at the same time, we should be grateful for what they have given us. Life, love, even in the midst of their weaknesses and faults, trying to do their best. But for someone who has had a difficult time with their own father, it might be hard to picture God as a loving, caring, protecting father who wants the best for his children. And yet that is what he is. Our fathers are not the image of what God should be. God is the model and the image of what our fathers should strive to be because God is always there, always protecting, always caring, always going the extra mile, always wanting the best, always striving to discipline out of love his children so that they will turn from evil and back to sin. That's why if you read the Old Testament, he constantly says, oh, I'm gonna have to punish you for that because you're going off the track, you're following idols, that's not good for you, I need to shake you up and get you back on track. It's not because he's angry. It's because he loves them and doesn't want them to be lost. God's will is not for those who sin to suffer and die and be lost, but to repent and be saved. Because he's a father who loves us. And he does so in the midst of it all. In this gospel reading, it's a very interesting gospel. We see Jesus gets into the boat. He says to them, let's cross to the other side. He's not just talking about the other side of the lake or the Sea of Galilee. He wants to bring them further, beyond. There's an experience he's going to give to them that is going to make them go further than their horizontal look, to grow in their faith, to come to know God in a better way. Let's cross to the other side. Let's go beyond what you can see. Let me reveal to you something greater. And so they get in the boat, and a violent squall came up, and waves were breaking over the boat. Let me ask you a quick question. How many of you have ever been on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land? Raise your hand. I know a couple of you have. No one here? Got a few in the back there. If you've ever seen the Sea of Galilee, which is also known as the Lake of Gennesaret, it's no more than a glorified lake. It's, I mean, Lake Michigan It looks more like a sea. You can't see the other side of Lake Michigan, if you've ever been there. But the Sea of Galilee, you can see the land on the other side. You can see the mountains in the distance on the other side. So it's hard to... We think of a sea, it says here they went out on the sea, right? And... We think of the Atlantic Ocean, or the Pacific Ocean, or the Gulf of Mexico. We, you know, we think of these humongous bodies of water and big, giant waves. And here you have this, I know I went three times to the Holy Land, and the first time I stopped in the Sea of Galilee to do an hour of prayer on the shore. And I was meditating on a reading similar to this, one about Jesus walking on the water, and how also the boat, the waves, and everything had come up, and, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't get it. I mean, this this glassy water body of water where I can see the other side of it and all the rest. What's it? I mean, I mean, my name's Thomas. I needed to see to believe, all right? Well, I saw because in the question of twenty minutes, as I'm doing this prayer on the shore, on the other side, over the mountains, started to roll in these clouds, and they came down over the water and I lost complete sight of the other side. And there was a strong wind, and it started to kick up. All of this is, like, enveloped in a a valley of of mountains. And the waves started to get white caps and get bigger and bigger, and I'm looking at it, and I say, Okay, Lord, I get the point. (laughs) I understand. Yeah, imagine the fisherman's boat back in those times, out on those waves, easily capsized if they're not careful. A boat that could have 10, 15, maybe 20 people in it uh, not a very large vessel. And all of a sudden, all of this, this storm came up, and I can imagine it being quite terrifying for someone that's out in the middle of the lake in that moment when that happens. Then it blew over, and it calmed down, and it was beautiful again. Seeing is believing. Well, here, this storm comes up, and Jesus is in the stern, asleep on a cushion. The utter peace of God manifested in Jesus in the midst of the storm and the torment, he wants us to find in him our strength, our peace, our calmness. You know, we have plenty of storms to face in our world today. They're all around us right now. You look at the political environment. Look at the, the moral environment. Look at the perversion of sexuality in our world today where everybody doesn't want to do things God-way, but we all want to do it our own. Choosing lust and sinfulness over holiness. Look at the indoctrination of our children in the schools with some ideologies that are just off base. And there's storms out there that need to be weathered and we need to be facing and we need to be recognizing this isn't easy. But oftentimes in the storm, I think we're like The apostles, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? How often times have we, facing our tribulations, our difficulties, our sufferings in life, have turned to God and said, God, where are you? Don't you give a darn? Don't you care that we're perishing? It's so easy for us to to direct ourselves to God in that way when we're going through a difficult moment. And I think every, every generation has thought theirs was the toughest. Right from the beginning of Adam and Eve down to us. The next generation will think theirs is harder than ours. Look back at us, oh, the good old days. Right? Every human being will always have their difficulties and their tribulations. We will always have things to overcome. Sufferings to bear. Crosses to carry. And in the midst of it all, God in these readings from the storm to Job, in the storm with the apostles, is saying, I'm right here. I'm not the one that's sleeping. It's you. Because you're afraid of all these things. Jesus wakes up. He rebukes the sea. He says, quiet, be still. And there it is. And then he says to them, why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? Why do we get in a, a frenzy over so many things? Yes, we need to be responsible. We need to answer to the difficulties. We need to seek solutions. We need to strive to let the truth set us free. And we need to be promoters of the truth in our society today, especially in the, in the world we live in. We can't just go along with the crowd and think everything's okay. That's not tolerance. That's indifference, which is the opposite of love. Love sometimes needs to be tough. There's an old saying in Spanish. El que te ama, te hará llorar. The person that loves you will make you cry. Because if they really love you, they're going to tell you the truth. They're going to say, hey, it's not that way. Go this way. And it might be hard in the moment, but they're seeking your good. Well, that's what God also wants us to do in this world today. Stand for the truth. Not be afraid. In the face of the storm, that can be around us, to trust in him. It's as if God is saying, I've got you. I've got you in my hand. You're not in the world's hand. You're not in the government's hand, thanks be to God, right? You're in mine. Trust in me. Look to me, find in me your peace, your strength, the grace you need to go forward, to do my will, To know that in the midst of the storm, I am with you. And not only in the storm, I'm with you in your moments of joy, in your moments of success, in your moments of celebration. I'm with you in your moments of sadness, of death, of difficulty. In all things, I am with you. I'm the one who set the boundaries, I'm the one who made all this. It's in my hands. I've given you the free will to respond to me in love. And oftentimes you have decided not to. And that's where sin and death come into the world. Not God's doing, but our own. We are terrified at times like the apostles. And we cry out, Lord, don't you care? Of course I care. Don't you get it? I love you. I've made you in my image. I'm giving you my son, as the second reading said, so that you can have new life. One died for all so that all might live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And so now there's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. That's what we just read. God the Father, the model for our fathers on earth, To follow his loving, caring, protecting, so that we will be obedient children to such a father and do his will in our lives and find the happiness, the true happiness, not the passing pleasure that it's there for a second and gone, no, which are good pleasures, which are fine to enjoy in this life, and then there's our illicit pleasures that we all like to be tempted by and fall into, no? No, the real happiness is the happiness that God the Father wants to give his children and the recognition that each one of us is in his hand. Why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? Let's let Jesus ask us that and then let's say, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe in you and I want to be your instrument for my brothers and sisters in this world today in this storm that we're weathering here on all the different fields of our life. I want to be a witness of your truth, of you as our Father. As we'll pray in a minute, who art in heaven, may your name be hallowed in our life. May your kingdom come in us. May your will be done here on earth in us as it is in heaven. We trust in you. Give us this day our daily bread, our sustenance, and above all the Eucharist. Forgive us, Lord, for our failings. But as we forgive, help me to forgive the way you forgive me so that you can forgive me. Because I know you won't if I don't. Because I don't deserve it if I'm not willing to give the same love you've given me. Don't let me fall into temptation of the world around me. Deliver me from evil. This is the prayer Jesus taught us to say to our Father. Let's trust in him and know that he will answer that prayer if we pray it from the heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.